Welcome to the Government Services Chapter of the American College of Emergency Physicians podcast. GSASEP represents emergency physicians who work in the federal government, including active duty military, National Guard, and military reserves, as well as the Veterans Administration, Indian Health Service, and other federal agencies. Our mission is advancing emergency care for America's heroes. In this podcast, we bring you lectures and conversations with leaders in federal emergency medicine to help you better care for your patients and lead your departments. The views expressed on this podcast are personal views and do not represent the views of the Department of Defense, any branch of the military, or the federal government, and they do not constitute endorsement of any product by any of these entities. So welcome to our first episode of the GSASEP podcast. We are going to be hearing a series of lectures that focused on leadership. Now you can get CME for these lectures, and if you're interested in getting CME, please email admin at gsasep.org so you can get registered for the virtual conference to get CME. If you don't need CME, these lectures are free to you, and it's a service of the GSASEP chapter, so enjoy. So without further ado, our first lecture is going to be on Ethical Leadership by Dr. Giwa. Hello and welcome. My name is Al Giwa. I'm an Associate Professor of Emergency Medicine and Bioethics at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Um, I'm here to discuss the ethics of leadership. I'd like to start off with an introduction, discuss some of the professionalism concepts and its role in ethics. I'd like to then drill down a little further and discuss leadership and ethics specifically. There seems to always be confusion between ethics versus values, so I'd like to discuss that very briefly. And then I'll end discussing an ethical leader's mission and what his or her obligations to stakeholders ought to be. I'd like to uh, take a brief minute just to thank the organizers for this opportunity to speak with you today. But I'd like to first put out this um, caveat. There's no way that this presentation can in any way suffice to provide the requisite knowledge in bioethics or the philosophical study of ethics of professions or even the ethics of physicians. However, I think I will be able to provide an overview of some of the key concepts in ethics as it applies to physicians and physician leaders. So when we say ethics, what do we mean? Many of you may have different opinions on this, but one way I like to describe ethics is as a guide to figuring out what is right and wrong. Ethics can serve as a way to help resolve moral conflicts between right and wrong and help you with other moral dilemmas as well. Many theorists describe morals as an individual's guiding system of beliefs about right and wrong. Ethics, however, are often considered that outward expression of that inner system of beliefs. So by way of an example, those of you familiar with the TV program NCIS, the character of Dr. Donald Ducky Mallard, played by David McCallum, he states the following, and I quote, the ethical man knows he shouldn't cheat on his wife, whereas the moral man actually wouldn't. As this illustrates, ethics is a study or the recommendation of what is right and wrong, whereas morality is concerned with the personal issue of what should be. So in philosophy and in common usage, 
you'll see that some people tend to use the terms ethics and morality interchangeably. I'll try to keep the distinction a little tighter. Namely, ethics is a guide for all to follow versus morals is a guide for me to live by. So when it comes to leaders, we really want to be moral as humans. And in our selection of leaders, we should look for those with a strong sense of morality. So, to rewind a little bit on leadership, leaders are typically focused on resolving issue just by the nature of their jobs. So an ethical leader has that added responsibility to resolve moral conflicts in addition to the daily challenges of their jobs, problem solving, solution creation, etc., etc. To be a successful leader, they must be well-versed in conflict and dilemma management as well. As a leader, your job is to guide and structure all sides of conflicts, usually to provide an ethical means to reaching a solution or resolution, as the case may be. And the reason why ethics is important, even in what seems to be a mundane task, is when there is conflict and there is potential dilemma, there is an ethical way of doing things that only an ethical leader can tune into. And we'll get into that in a bit. So as physicians, you have all been exposed to various codes of conduct, um, sometimes called ethics of the medical profession. I'm sure everyone here is familiar with the Hippocratic Oath and perhaps a little less familiar with the Guide on Medical Ethics, which uh, was written in 1794 by Thomas Percival. This was greatly influenced by the Hippocratic Oath and was used in the Royal College um, in Edinburgh and many of the older and the oldest medical schools in the world. Some of the key takeaways when you look at all the medical oaths that are currently in circulation around the world, they have the following principles in common. And I've listed them here. The first is to maintain confidentiality. Second, maintain a fiduciary and morally upstanding position. Next is to prescribe only the best of care and avoid or minimize harm. Physicians should hold themselves to the highest standards of their profession. And lastly, they should not do that which they are not trained to do. So as medicine has evolved with society, so have these guiding pr principles that we've used to solve moral dilemmas involving patients. One such guide came from Beecham and, Ch and Childress, Four Principles of Medical Ethics. Um, their first edition came out in the 1970s during the birth of bioethics. And those four principles, which I'm sure many of you have heard of, are justice, respect for autonomy, or as we also call it, the patient's right to self-determination, non-maleficence, and beneficence. So, for those of you who are not familiar with these principles, briefly, justice is just to ensure that there's equity, which you should not confuse with being equality, a related but very different legal concept. So equity is a fair and balanced approach treating like situations similarly, as well as ensuring all people, no matter their age, their race, color, creed, gender, sexuality, etc., ensuring that all have access to the same medical treatment given the same medical conditions and same circumstances. Um, respect for autonomy or patient's right to self-determination 
is essentially respecting the rights of individuals to make choices had they deemed fit. And that is considered a human right by recognized by the World Medical Association, the United Nations, World Health Organization, and several other world medical bodies. In the U.S., it is considered one of the most important principles, both legally and ethically, i.e. the respect for self and your self-determination. Non-maleficence is akin to the popular do-no-harm principle, but it literally means avoiding doing bad things. Some treatments cause harm, however, they have a good intent. Beneficence is to do good for your patients and typically goes hand-in-hand with not harming them, i.e. non-maleficence. So, Beecham and Childress, they further describe these virtues, five to be exact, of a physician that they feel needs to go hand in hand with these principles. And in this virtuism that they describe, they discuss trustworthiness, integrity, discernment, compassion, and conscientiousness. And I will bring these together as to why it is important for the physician who is a professional, who is sworn to have ethical code, must carry this forward when he or she is a leader. Um, but we'll get to that in a bit. So, before we dwell, delve into leadership, it's important for physicians to understand their roles as professionals. So based on previous research and publications on this subject that I and many of my colleagues have undertaken, um, in order to be considered a professional or member of a profession versus just someone who's a craftsperson or a skilled worker, a profession must have the following. There must be specialized education or knowledge involved. The profession must be organized into a collective body that self-regulates and enforces rules of conduct on its members. There must exist a service or duty to serve to the public. And lastly, the interests of the client, in our case, a patient, must be held greater than the interests of the professional. As professionals, we're held to different legal and ethical obligations than non-professionals in the scope of our practice. Physicians are given great powers, sanctioned by society at large, and to repeat a saying made famous by Peter Parker, also known as Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And with such power to do things to strangers that would be considered assault battery, or even worse if done by a non-physician, physicians are obligated to practice under the ethical codes of their profession, i.e. with professionalism. And what, I hope, what I'm hoping I'm clearly conveying to you is that all physicians, as professionals, must have ethics. And so as a physician leader, we must have ethics and ensure ethics rule our organizations and our team members. Ethics serves as our guide and moral code, as well as ensures society maintains their trust in us. As leaders, we must literally be the cheerleader and make sure that no member of our team ever, A, practices unethically or in any way conducts unethical practice. So, you know, I normally give a full presentation or rather a semester long presentation on leadership. So this is going to be a very um, abridged version. I'm currently deployed to the Middle East um, and as a member of the military, um, as all of you I'm sure can appreciate, 
Well, we serve in leadership roles and we are often taught and sometimes teach leadership principles. So as well as being a leader in my civilian role, um, it's going to be hard to teach every single concept of leadership. However, I'll focus on the ethical principles and on some things that I feel we should stress. So, one important thing to remember, and despite popular belief, leaders are not just born to lead. Right? There's some people who are born with great traits, characteristics, and all those things that make them really good, natural leaders, as I said. But that is not to say that leadership is limited to genetics. Leadership is a learnable skill. Uh, it's also a perishable skill. And it's one that should have frequent introspection to succeed. In regards to leadership, ethics is concerned with what leaders do and who leaders are. And that is an important thing that we'll touch on a little bit later. So to reemphasize some of the things I was talking about earlier on professionalism, in order to be a professional, you must adhere to certain ethical principles. In order to be a leader, and I stress both of professionals and as a professional yourself, you are similarly held to upholding ethics. Hence, we owe certain duties to those we serve, both as professionals and leaders. And as a physician, and as a physician leader especially, we must similarly uphold the code of medical ethics and ethics of professions. And as a reminder, the code of medical ethics can boil down to that confidentiality, the fiduciary and morally upstanding position, prescribing only the best of care and avoiding um, and minimizing harm, holding ourselves to the highest standards of our profession, and not doing things that we are not trained to do. Add this now to being a physician leader, we can say that as a bare minimum, we must uphold medical codes of ethics, right? As a physician, you need to uphold the ethics of your profession. As a professional now in a leadership position, you subscribe to a higher um, level of ethics that you must uphold and subscribe to. Um, you have the additional responsibility to ensuring not only your own morally upstanding position, but you have to ensure the ethics of those who you lead. So in other words, you must not only lead by example, you must be ethical in how you manage your team and, and again, being the cheerleader for ethics in your organization. Again, the idea here is not to give you all a um, lecture in ethics, in leadership rather, because um, there are countless theories on, le on leadership and ethics and leadership. But some of my own hodgepodge of various theories has shown the following to be essential for ethical leadership. And it's aligned with many of the five-pronged models that are out there. And trust me, if you look, um, whether it be the internet or a academic PubMed type search, there are five-pronged all the way up to 15-pronged models of ethical leadership. For example, the one that I have subscribed to most um, closely is similar to one that uh, Peter Guy Northhouse uses, and he has several books on the subject, so if you'd like to look him up, if you're particularly interested in the subject, I highly recommend him as a good basic um, study of ethical leadership and leadership in general. But some of the principles of the five-pronged model that we both share on is honesty, justice, respect, community, team building, and integrity. And you can see there's a lot of overlap with some of the medical ethical principles that I discussed previously. 
Um, and to further elaborate, it should go without saying that anyone who is ethical will also be honest and loyal, right? So honesty is particularly important to be an effective ethical leader. Followers trust honest and dependable leaders. Ethical leaders convey facts transparently. And no matter how unpopular they may be, they're kind of respected for telling the truth, typically speaking, right? Um, some of the other points in terms of justice and ethical leaders should always be fair and just. They should have no favorites and should treat everyone equally. Under an ethical leader, no employee has any reason to fear a biased treatment on the basis of their gender, ethnicity, nationality, or any other factor. And we all know people who it seems that they have favoritism too. That is an unethical practice. And as a leader, you need to be higher than that. Ethical leaders, um, you know, one of the most important traits of an ethical leader is the respect that is given to their followers, right? Anyone, any member of the team should have a respected voice. An ethical leader shows that respect to all members by listening to them attentively, valuing their contributions, being compassionate, and being generous, while also considering opposing viewpoints. And you know how that is. There's that one person in the team who just, you know, always has an idea, and it's usually just not an idea that tends to have legs. But we should respect that person, right? Because what we don't realize is that even though that person may be shot down every week, every meeting, every faculty meeting, whatever it is, you know, we may all be thinking that, oh, not Bob again or whoever it is. However, you know, when you shoot down that person, although you may all be thinking it, trust me, when Sue is also thinking of an idea to bring to the table, Sue will remember how you treated Bob. And now Sue's great idea that could have been the game changer, the salvation that you needed, will be hidden away never brought to the surface because of how we treat Bob. So, giving everyone that respect, as hard as it can be at times, is important for the team's own um, cohesion and effectiveness. So, um, ethical leaders foster a sense of community. They have team spirit within the organization. When an ethical leader strives to achieve goals, it's not just personal goals that they're concerned about. They make genuine efforts to achieve goals that benefit the entire organization, not just themselves. An ethical leader must expect employees to do the right thing at all times, not just when it's convenient for them. Don't expect a leader of such high values to overlook or tolerate ethical violations. We never should. Integrity refers to the quality of having a strong moral purpose and being honest always. Ethical leaders demonstrate appropriate values to those around them via their own behavior. You gotta really live it and show it. And leaders who act with integrity can strengthen the organization by attracting likes, right? Attracting talented ethical hires. People generally wanna work for leaders they perceive as acting with integrity. A concept I feel is very important for successful leadership and unfortunately not stressed enough is having EQ or EI, emotional intelligence. And one thing I'd like to do um, is if you all could take a picture of this or somehow if the organizers can make sure that people get this URL, but if you can take a, uh, a moment to watch this video I think this is the most important concept that a leader needs to bring to the forefront of their organizational leadership.
and it is a uh, Harvard Business Review from the Harvard Business School. Um, it is a, I think, three and a half minute long video on what makes a great leader. And the answer is one with emotional intelligence. I'd like to step back and share something I learned many years ago as a young officer in the Army. The Colonel taught me a long time ago about the four C's of leadership. And this is by no means an all-inclusive, only four things that a leader needs. Instead, I've taken it to be just sort of like that bare minimum in an easy-to-remember kind of aid. Namely, it's charisma, character, competence, and commitment. The first one, charisma, reinforces the idea that people want to work for someone or be led by someone they can admire and respect. Right? The next is character, and it implies you must have an established morality that can recognize right from wrong, and you can instill that ethic in your reports. Competence implies that the ability to get things done is important, and it's not good enough to just have a pretty face and smile. It's not good enough to be charismatic. It's not good enough to be an ethical person with good character. You actually must be able to be competent. Commitment involves following through on things and realizing that there are struggles and sometimes obstacles. I think in this day and age we're all familiar with many of these leadership fundamentals that involve persevering and being resilient. This is where commitment comes in. Leaders must have these skills. They must be those cheerleaders in the face of the worst outcomes. A, a drug trial that goes wrong, an unfortunate outcome in a cardiac arrest patient that you led the team to try to resuscitate. We need to put a strong game face on and be that commitment, committed leader to bring your team to the other side and know that we have a job to do and we will do it. Bumps along the road or not, we will get through this. Most importantly, you should be committed to your team and show them that by doing the right thing always. So, in this simple aid to leadership, you can see that character involves morality and ethics and it's integral to leadership. A leader must never be afraid to do what is right. And in the next sections, we'll answer that age-old question of what is right? And perhaps, who's right is righter? And just as a throwback, uh, for those of you who might be like me, um, fellow Army folk, I'm sure these attributes and competencies uh, graph here from courtesy of ADP 6-22 will bring some joyous memories to you all. So, so I'm often asked, what is the difference between values and ethics. Is this just like morality and ethics and sometimes used interchangeably and may mean something similarly? You know, under normal circumstances, I'd love to ask you all your opinions on this. Um, but alas, we are in a Zoom world as our new normal. But I'll throw out that question. Maybe uh, if the chat feature is working, we can have a conversation there. Um, but what are values? What is the difference between ethics and values? So, while you all are thinking of that, 
If we go to the Oxford Online Dictionary, it defines values as a person's principles or standards of behavior. It's one's judgment of what is important in life. In ethics, values tend to reflect a person's sense of right and wrong, or what ought to be. However, and this is a question for all of you to further ponder, are all of our respective personal values all morally right or ethical? So let that just digest for a while, and you'll probably wonder why in an ethics uh, leadership discussion I have this gloved gun-holding thing. No, it's not related to my being in the military, but to my love of the old 70s Godfather, Scarface, and other Italian mafioso genre of movies. And as many of you who know those... Uh, fictional crime characters type movies, they maintained a strict code and upheld the family values at all costs. They had a strong sense of what their values were and any violation of their values usually led to cement somewhere in South Jersey somewhere. So, I'm sure we can all agree, despite them having strict values, they were far from being a typical and value or ethical guide for society. So, getting back to real life, are values that distinct from ethics? I mean, I think so. There are certain fringe elements of society that do not embrace our values, but generally speaking, the world over embrace the same or similar values and have a similar concept of what is right and wrong. You know, desperate situations or circumstances may change or eliminate those rules, but there still is a general code of ethics that exists that all humans should and usually do follow. Most, if not all, of these codes come from our own value systems. If we do not have values within us, we generally will not be able to follow any ethical guides. And so those who embrace what I'll call, for lack of a word, word um, mistaken values, such as racism, misogyny, homophobia, etc etc they're really without values those are not values those are not the nazi regime although they stated they had values they truly were a mistaken value and they normalized that bad ethical and valued behavior evolved and evolving leaders those who think those who um, are aware self-aware and aware of the world cultures who have realized that the embracing of racism of past misogyny homophobia etc etc clannish behavior um, they realize that these ignorances are unethical and they typically come to an awakening that leads to their rewriting their own moral codes and values through legislation increase in public awareness etc etc after all, is that not what we in America did? Did we not have very strong values that were later found to be quite unethical by way of treatment of certain peoples, certain genders, certain people's personal sexual identities and behaviors and etc., etc.? As we evolve as humans, we come to a more enlightened way to think and a more ethical stance is taken as a result. So, what does this have to do with ethics and leadership? As a leader, 
you may come across those who have certain values that may not jive right with you. They may not meet the sniff test of something ethical. Again, I think these mistaken values need to be addressed and you owe it to your team and customers the duty to embrace the values of an ethical person. Otherwise, you'd be like many a fallen and disgraced leader whose lack of values undermine their leadership. And I'm sure we can think of many on both a local, state, and national level. So, successful institutions have mission statements and their visions need to be clearly developed. Something that all their stakeholders can adopt and or relate to and it's usually integral to their success. The mission and vision are oftentimes viewed as philosophies that are adopted and help in the guidance of the work culture as well. And even in service cultures, you'll find that that applies just as much. I think studies after study has shown that successful institutions adopt and adhere to missions and visions that are more than just catchy words or marketing. They truly believe it. I mean, people drink the Kool-Aid and they enjoy it. And those are, you know, you've seen, are successful institutions. There's an encouragement to adopt that vision as your own, to breathe it and live it as you will. Those are the people who enjoy where they work. They support the mission. They support the vision. They support their leadership through that. And they can only do that because... The mouthpiece and eyes of the institutional mission and vision is its leadership. And as leaders, you're all responsible for exemplifying the mission and displaying the vision. So, in order to be an ethical leader, part of your mission and vision needs to stress the importance of ethics and the importance of the organization's values. Yes, I use the term values because those values, as I will later talk about, will be ethically enhanced and proven to be embracing of all. So, other than starting with yourself, making sure that you embrace the organization's ethical standards or values, and hence serve as a role model, ethical leaders must also champion the importance of ethics and ethical practice. They must not forgive some rule breakers and punish others for the same violations. They must seek in all members of the team or organization similar high ethical standards and principles that are aligned with the organization's value of respect, honesty, justice, etc. As leaders, you need to understand the concept of stakeholders and your role in serving all of them will be key to your success. If you're early in your leadership's phase or state, you should hopefully have a concept of what a stakeholder is. You will hopefully not fall into the same mistakes that I, for example, early in my leadership as a physician leader, I was, uh, my, I won't give you examples from when I, my first job out of residency was as an assistant medical director, a small hospital in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I made many mistakes, but luckily I had a leader, a chair, who was there to guide me. However, I still made more mistakes when I became that chair myself a few years later of a hospital in upstate New York. 
And with my focus solely on my physician staffing um, and also them delivering excellent patient care, I forgot the other parties that are in the room, right? And that's what stakeholders are. Nursing, housekeeping, you know, other specialists, etc., etc. They all go through the ED, as you know. They all work in the same place. They all have a say. They all have a stake in your success and can help in your failure. So recognizing stakeholders, i.e. everybody, is key. And it took me a while, and I, 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 I failed miserably. But luckily, again, someone was there to help pick me up and remind me of the bigger audience that I need to address. And ever since then, I have almost to the point where I recognize outside stakeholders more so than inside as a way to just make sure I don't forget who my stakeholders are. So you'll see in this graphic some examples of various stakeholders. It's typically a business thing. Um, you know, it's only been recent that patient-centric changes in the 60s in the United States and other Western nations which ironically coincides with the field of the birth of the field of bioethics, um, as well as civil rights movement and everything, that sort of brought about our needing to be more aware of the other people in the room. And if any of you are interested in business management and looking at business leaders from the, you know, post World War era to the fifties and then sixties and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, moving forward, those are change in business style that has occurred over the years fast forward to today so the concept of stakeholders as i said is much a, is very much uh with its roots in business leadership and management it's important for any successful leader stakeholders are anyone and everyone who has a stake or is affected directly or indirectly with what you do right so as a leader of a healthcare team, your stakeholders are your patients, their family, their loved ones, your colleagues, to include nursing and allied professionals, as I mentioned, as well as members of society who have an interest in ensuring that care is appropriate and ethical for all. As an aside, for example, if you are creating some great initiative in your ED, perhaps having members of the community invited may be an important first step to get in buy-in from that important stakeholder, community members. So, um, you know, as a quick reminder, in case you guys can recall, two of the tenets of a profession that I described earlier, namely a duty to serve the public and maintaining the interests of the client being held greater than the interests of the professional, i.e. its fiduciary responsibilities. I think these are importantly represented by our mission vision and understanding of our stakeholders, respecting them and involving them in our ethical decision-making. So, um, as I said, if there are any questions or comments in a chat feel free to put them but another question that i'd like to pose for you all um at least give you something to think about you know i've been talking about what we in ethics and philosophy call a normative ethics which basically is what we should do and what we should be as leaders 
Well, I'm sure you can all appreciate that, you know, sometimes what we should do is not what is done in reality. That's called a descriptive ethic. So if you're in a, you're in a position as a leader and you're faced with competing interests from different stakeholders, for example, nurses have a position they want and that is diametrically opposed by, for example, a position the other stakeholders that are just as important. How do you ethically make these decisions? And this is where ethics, I think, is important because as I mentioned earlier, ethics not only gives us right and wrong guidance, it can also help when it comes to moral dilemmas, which I think this is. So, um, it'll be impossible for me to provide every answer to every possible conflict that one may face like this. But I'll ask you just very briefly to just remember this when you have to address approaching a dilemma in an ethical way. So the first thing you need to do, you need to identify the issues at play and who the respective stakeholders are. Ethical decision-making weighs the various ethical dilemmas made and decides which play the most important roles. Second, you need to review relevant hospital or governmental policies for guidance. If there's something that exists already, that should take precedence, unless it is wrong, at which case you now need to table this and spend time in writing the policies and writing by correcting writing. Um, if time permits, convene an ethics and or risk management committee to weigh in. And if it's a small intra-departmental conflict, obviously you don't need the ethics committee or any outside committees, but maybe an ad hoc committee of members of the nursing or the various stakeholders that are involved. Have people come to the table and discuss their issues. Lastly, always remember to be transparent. And when you're making that final policy that can affect many, especially if you're making policies that affect the vulnerable, make sure you involve the community, make sure you involve all potentially affected populations. Don't make decisions in, abs in abstractium. Make sure that everyone important has a voice at the table. GSASEP is proud to be the premier continuing medical education source for military and federal emergency physicians. To purchase CME for the episode you just listened to, please click on the link in the show notes. The Government Services Chapter of the American College of Emergency Physicians promotes quality emergency care and enhances the development of emergency physicians who serve our nation from training through retirement. Learn more about our chapter at www.gsacep.org.